Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey guys, this is Sam Hardyman and you're listening to You Haven't Heard This Music Podcast. Hello and welcome to another This Music Podcast. This is a podcast about lesser-known bands and lesser-known artists and songs we really think you should listen to. As always, I'm Wayne, and joining with me on the show tonight, I have Richie. Say hello, Richie. Hello. <laughs> got a mouthful of whiskey, so... <laughs> Hiya! And also Neil. <laughs> hey, there we go. Hello. And also Neil. Say hello, Neil. Hello. I've got a mouthful of water. This is good. We've already fucked up the <laughs> intro. Just keep going. Uh, as always, we have our special guest, and our special guest this evening is Sam Hardiman. Say hello, Sam. What's up, guys? How are you? Fantastic. Very good, mate. Very good. Where are you in the world, Sam? I am sitting here in Dublin. I don't have a, I don't have a mouthful of anything. I feel left out. <laughs> yeah, not a mouthful of Guinness. <laughs> should be Guinness. Yeah, I was going to say in Dublin. It should, no, be, it should be Guinness. I feel kind of half Irish because I'm not really a Guinness man. So I feel uh, I feel like my citizenship should be revoked. Do you like, do you like whiskey? Um, I mean, not massive. I'm more of like a kind of, I'm on the fruitier end of the spectrum. So I drink like cider or like gin and tonic or... You know, middle-aged, middle-aged drinks, I feel. You don't even deserve your heritage. <laughs> I'm middle-aged, I, know. I don't drink none of that shit. <laughs> yeah, I, excuse me, I get an awful hard time from uh, my friends and stuff for my, for my taste in, in drinks. But you know what? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just here doing me. I don't give out to everybody else for drinking what they drink. <laughs> Why can't we all just Excellent. love each other? <laughs> <laughs> Why indeed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We are a podcast of four rounds. The first round being the head to head. Now, this is a section of the show where myself, Richie, and Neil bring a song that has been sent to us via the emails, via the social medias, and all the rest of it. And we bring a song that we really like, put it against the other ones, listen to it, talk to it, talk about it. And at the end of the section, our special guest, Sam Hardyman, will choose his favourite. Now, at the moment, Richie's running away with the series. He's on six points. I've got three, and Neil is at the back on one. So we'll start with what song are you bringing tonight, Neil? What did Neil win with? The very first one of this season. It was brilliant. It was the one about JFK. I can't remember what it's called. It was about the assassination of JFK. I remember that one. It was was so fucking weird. Love Field. Love Field, that was it, yeah. Minutes to Midnight. Minutes to Midnight, yeah. So I I was actually in the lead for once. Yeah. For one week. (laughs) Yeah, it was short-lived. So so what song are you bringing, Richard? Me. So my head-to-head is Motel by... Demetrius Ramos, 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 Dimitri Ramos, Ramo, Dimitri Ramo. 
it's such an easy name to say, but it could be it could be pronounced in so many different ways. Dim- you don't say the S on the end of Demetrius, do you? It's Dimitri. Yeah, Demetrius Ramos. Demetrius. There's no A. <laughs> Demetrius Ramos. No, yeah. Dimitri. Dimitri Ramos. Demetrius Ramos. Fuck off, Wayne. <laughs> we well, just go with Dimitri. Yeah, <laughs> it's Dimitri. We got hotel, bo- motel, the motel by Dimitri Ramos. Very good. Neil, what song are you bringing for your head? I'm bringing Harry Stafford with his song Gothic Urban Blues. Very good. And I am bringing Mark Tupper's Mind with Pimp. Pimp. A pimp. pimp. Keep saying Pimp. It's not. It's Pimp. P-I-N-P. After that, we move on to our Hidden Masterpiece round, which is brought by our special guest, Sam Hardiman. The Hidden Masterpiece is the section of the show where we bring a, where our special guest brings a song by a famous artist that has been overlooked or is a B-side or an album track that he thinks is as, is as good as the artist's other work. So what song are you bringing your Hidden Masterpiece, Sam? I'm bringing uh, Goner, which is the final track from the 21 Pilots album, Blurry Face. Excellent. That's we'll my, have a chat uh, about that and decide if it goes into the Hidden Masterpiece Hall of oh, Fame. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> after that, we... We go on to Neil's favourite round, which is the intense hardcore genre musical challenge mode, Go. And on the last episode, our special guest, Kate Stevens, decided that Neil had to go and find the best representation of the genre rock opera. So what did you bring in, Neil? Um, Well, it definitely is my favourite round this week, because I am bringing um, another brick in the wall, the the full three-part version by um, Pink Floyd. Excellent. We'll have a chat about that a bit later on. And then we round up the show with the Artist Spotlight, which obviously this is this week is Sam Hardiman. We'll be playing Samsung The Ava Sessions and talking all about Sam and, you know, what's life like at the moment under lockdown and all the rest of it. So, yeah. Sounds good. Have I missed anything? No. No. News? Any news? Have we got any uh, news? No, this right? section... At this point, we always talk about how we're feeling. So, uh, you know, what we're what we're. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> you, meant, you really mentioned not... talking about lockdown in the artist spotlight. We tend to talk about that now, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. We we talk about how we are in the lockdown right now, and we grade ourselves our one to ten. One being we're at the precipice of an apocalypse, or ten being, my God, this is fantastic. So, uh, what's up with you, Rich? How are you feeling? Great, thanks. <laughs> what's your score? Eight. Oh, you come down to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm alright, I'm just out, I'm, you know, I've been to work today and I'm just a bit knackered, I've been, you know, I've got a bit more editing to do later, I'll just, a bit, nothing to do with the lockdown, I'm just feeling a bit, a bit eightish. Eight's high. Fair enough. I feel. I, I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> I mean, if I, I still haven't got to use my crossbow yet, if I'd have got to shoot somebody with my crossbow, it might be annoying, but... <laughs> That's for another I think, day. Dear I think you may do before all this is over, Rich. Oh, the way things are going. I mean, I... Jesus, let's... It's, it's ridiculous. But, um, yeah, Sam, because of the apocalypse and everything, I panicked when everybody else was buying loo rolls. I went and bought myself a couple hundred pound crossbow. <laughs> and some really pointy bullets. Arrows. Uh, bullets, Neil! You bullets. know what I mean? <laughs> seems, Projectiles. Seems it seems less pragmatic than toilet roll, but uh, each to their own, I guess. <laughs> you can't you wipe your arse with a crossbow. crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 you can, but it just might not work. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's go with Sam. How are you feeling, Sam? What's your, what's your grade out of 10? I'm doing well. Um, I would say I would probably say an 8 as well, maybe a 9, because if you'd asked me two weeks ago, it probably would have been significantly lower. But um, like in Ireland, we've been able to meet in small groups and stuff, so been able to see people and not be like a hermit for the first time in two months which has massively boosted my mood i feel so yeah things are things are looking up hopefully excellent neil uh about a about a six i suppose i'm a little bit fed up but you know can't complain things could be worse that was short and sweet 
Yeah. Um, I, I, feel, I feel, I feel that's better though. I mean, I think last last episode we we absolutely dragged it out. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone is just getting, you know, everything everything has been said already about the lockdown. Everyone's yeah. Just in shite form still. Where, where are you at, Wade? Oh yeah, I'm still clocking at nine. You know, like I said before, you know, I'm not. Nothing's being asked of me that that, you know, that, that's too ridiculous. So yeah, I'm I'm absolutely fine. Okay, so it's not not a bad average in a group of you know four. Hmm. Average of about seven, about seven and a half. Yeah, that'll, that'll do. That's that's average for, for normal. Do. So I think that's quite a, above average uh, considering the the you know what's been going on and everything. Yeah. yeah, I believe I believe so. Right then, so we shall we crack on with the show? Yeah, go on then. Sounds good. Excellent. Right, so we start the the round with the. Uh, right, so we're on to the head-to-head section, and I believe that Rich won again last weekend. Uh, last week, last weekend, last week. So uh, it's Richie's turn to go first. What song are you going to bring then? Rich? Yes, weekend. the Motel by Dimitri Ramos. This is his song. Enjoy. Yes, so that was Dimitri Ramos. 
Dimitri Ramos is a 22-year-old singer-songwriter based in Greece. His storytelling lyrics and rich sound create the perfect scenery for each song, whilst personal experiences and beliefs are hidden amongst the characters. Born and raised in a small town, he expressed interest in music from a young age, and and the and the rest. All the yeah, we'll leave all the information to him in, in the show notes. Check him out. Um, Dimitri, this song, um, it's short but sweet. It's it's unusual as well, but it draws you in. It's got a a unique sound, it's got a unique arrangement, musically it's brilliant, it uses some nice little sounds in there that I think you'll appreciate, Sam, listening to the song that you brought for your your spotlight. Yeah, it's just a good pop song, yeah, I think, even though it's so short, it it doesn't feel short, it feels just right, um, it's a great tune, very hooky, very catchy, When uh, I wanted to put it on my, my Spotify playlist, but uh, it wasn't on Spotify. But hopefully it will be at some point. But love it, absolutely great tune. Very, like I say, very hooky, very catchy. And yes, I'm going to start with Neil. Um, well, I was trying to find a way to sum this song up, really, because um, yeah, what did I think of it? Um, I, I battled with a few different ideas. Um, and really, the best way I could describe it is. Absolutely fucking bastard incredible. Okay. I didn't know where um, you was going with that then, Neil. That, that was the intention, <laughs> you see. Uh, bit of a curveball. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I, um, yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, it uh, starts off with a really sort of lovely rumbling bass. Oh, I, love, I love rumbling prominent bass. Um, and it kind of shifts a bit and... It gets some energy on the chorus and drops back again. And I like this contrast. There's a lot of light and shade going on, um, which is very, very well structured and very listenable to. And yeah, my only criticism really was it was a little bit short, but uh, is that that criticism? I don't know. It it worked perfectly. Um, I was a little bit surprised you bought it, Rich, because particularly on the choruses, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, there's a lot in. A lot, not just synth. There's a lot of eighties synth. Yeah, there is. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a Duran Duran thing going on at one point, which I really enjoyed. Mm, it, but uh, it's not. Yeah, I don't know. It, I it, it worked. It worked in the blend of everything. It it, it just yeah, perfectly crafted, perfectly. Um, what else to say about it? Really, I loved it. Yeah, I love how the uh, the chorus was completely separate from the verses. Yes, different sound, but. It wasn't out of place. It still fit. It in worked. With, with that was the thing. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't unusual. It we worked. It, yeah. it was unusual. I thought it was a very uh, dist- distinct and unique sound. But uh, it wasn't bad. Unique. Oh, I, would, I wouldn't say unique. I've heard some of things done before, but this was a per- perfect example of it. Mm. Cool, Sam. What did you think? Yeah, I um, I definitely really liked it. I think there's a there's a great vibe to it, but um, possibly controversially like i think the the verses and stuff and the pre-chorus especially like i feel like they build to such a a good point but then for me the chorus kind of just the big gap in the vocals like i know you guys were talking about that synth there which is really cool but for me it was kind of like it was all this momentum built up and i was waiting for this big like vocal hook or whatever and it kind of i don't know it, it, it didn't reach where i feel like it was it was on its way to or something um it's kind of like on the kind of popular end 
the song In My Blood by Sean Mendes, which is the exact same thing. Like the verses are class and the pre-chorus, it's all really well done and there's so much musicality there. But then it gets to the chorus and I just want one extra, one big vocal hook or one big lyric or something that I feel like is missing. But to an extent, that's a compliment because like I feel the verses yeah. and the pre-chorus do such a great job of, of setting it up. Um, so the little, the, the kind of synth line is actually maybe controversially because I know you guys were saying, and it is kind of Duran Duran-esque, but uh, didn't do it as much for me. But as a whole, I actually, I did love the song. So, so it took you on a journey, but didn't quite get you to the destination. I think so. And I, especially because you can see or you can hear that like there's so much talent in the production and like it's all, all the hooks are great and it's all really well done. So I think then I was just hoping for this big release in the chorus that was, that for me didn't, didn't happen. But I mean, I definitely still, it was still going in the, in the positive column. Cool. Wayne. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked it. I didn't, I didn't love it as much as you guys. I found it, um, I, it, it sort of didn't stick with me after I'd finished listening to it. I had to go back and listen to it again. There was things like, you know, I was writing notes as I was listening to it. I couldn't pick things out afterwards. I found it very alt pop, um, sort of, you know, sort of do a leap rest. Alt pop. Yeah, a bit of, you know, alternative pop. You can hear the European influences in it, especially when you get to the, the, the chorus, because it's got that understated sort of folky rhythm that you get in there. I agree with with everybody. What everybody said is too is too short. You know, it, it it leaves you wanting more, and and I think that's a good thing. You know, because you'll go and find more of his stuff. Yeah. yeah. And somebody put me on my misery. What the fucking hell? What does the bass line at the start sound like? I, I couldn't place it at all. It was doing my head in. I had to list it three or four times. I couldn't place it. Is I it... can't think now. No idea. I liked it, no? but I didn't. Okay. Well, yeah. Particularly reminiscent yeah, of anything in particular. He also he has a really unusual way of pronouncing doesn't he say like Martel yeah I got to do <laughs> yes, yes 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 it's the bass more than the star it's driving me mad for a couple of days now I can't think of it yeah liked it cool um, so, moving yeah. on then isn't it? yeah um, do you want to go next Neil or shall I uh, I'll go next if you okay, want um, so I'm, cool. I brought um uh, what have I bought? Harry Stafford with uh, his song Gothic Urban Blues. So um, enjoy. <laughs>
That was Harry Stafford with Gothic Urban Blues. Um, Harry Stafford uh, is... What do we know about Harry Stafford? He's from Manchester. Not Stafford. Uh, Man- no. It's confusing that, isn't it? Stafford's sort of halfway between us and Manchester as well. So, yeah, that's, that's very confusing. Uh, Manchester-based indie music stalwart Harry Stafford presents his new single, Gothic Urban Blues, which is the title track from his new album. Um, and he's released it along with a, a moody accompanying video reflecting the vibe of this blues rock lament for the city. The album itself is about the metropolis, the naked city, the urban sprawl, and the need to get back to the get back to the ripped back streets when you're far away. Um, apparently, the uh, that the whole track is uh, the concept of it is that it's uh, the city of Manchester viewed from a futuristic hovercar or spaceship or obscure superhero. We have spouted wings and become unclassifiable creatures or obdurate squabbling angels and demons swooping, or it's demons spelt D-A-E-M-ons, which I approve of, swooping daemons, swooping between the towers and looking down at the insects below, says Harry Stafford. 
Uh, yeah, I just um, I like the song a lot. You, you know me, I like dark stuff. Um, I like dark stuff and I like true, um, identifiable stuff. And I think this, it gripped me immediately because it, it put me in mind of um, the uh, the Peaky Blinders theme, which I like a lot. And uh, it um, he, he does cite uh, Nick Cave as one of his uh, big influences, which I, I, can, I can hear throughout the track. Um, but it kind of like... I mean, without without reading all that blurb, I just read out to you. I, I could tell he was describing a, a sort of pulsating, dark, festering city, you know. And um, uh, he, he kind of made me feel like I was there. He kind of put me in that that place and transported me to that um, that sort of melting pot of um, grime and uh, nastiness, really. Um, but but there was sort of a, a, a sort of a, a, a you know a, a love and a homage to that as well. So yeah, I, I liked it a lot. So um, good to you, first Wayne. What did you think? Um, right, um, Neil. This is dangerously close to jazz. You know, the start of this. Oh, I forgot to say that. Yeah, he, he, do, he does flirt with jazz in places, and I did, I did worry about that, but uh, I, I got past it. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> I, I was listening to it earlier and went, "Fucking hell, Neil! This is this is dangerously close." To this. I bet, I bet he was sweating listening to this. <laughs> I wasn't. <a> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. You can hear the influence in there. You can hear the doors. I've got a bit of echo in the Bunnyman. Definitely, you know, notes of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Definitely that. Um, and like you said, it feels sleazy. It's got like an egoed charisma to it, you know. Um, and it's dripping with it. The whole thing is atmospheric. The, the trumpet and. Yeah, the trumpet adds that atmosphere. You know, it has that sort of ne- neo noir atmosphere to it. Neo noir, yeah. I like um, that. I liked it a lot. Yeah, um, I, lo- I love the swirling effect they put underneath the trumpet solo as well. That really hooked me in. Yeah, it it sort of gives you a, a vertigo imagery, you know, and and sort of feeling. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Really good song. Cool. Um, Sam, what do you think? Yeah, um, I I definitely liked a lot of it. Um, it's funny because like the first like thirty seconds to me made it sound like a kind of a nineteen seventies like Law and Order esque detective show, oh, or something, yeah. which I definitely liked. And <laughs> touching on what you were saying, Wayne, like the kind of yeah that whatever that swirly synth underneath the trumpets are is uh, is really cool. But the explanation you gave there about the wings and the superheroes and spaceships and everything like that makes a lot of sense to me because like it it felt like kind of a, a really gentle acid trip the whole time. Like it was real psychedelic. Um, and there's definitely like I know kind of the, some of the vocals are quite raw in that they're not perfectly on time or whatever, and I assume that's not a mistake because there's loads of musicality in the tracks. So it's obviously like he's doing, but that kind of vibe is I'm, I'm not as into. But he does keep like a, a cool kind of live. It does feel like a, a really well done live rehearsal rather than a proper production, which is cool. Like there's there's you know grit in that and stuff. But uh, it's cool. It had, it had you know ups ups and downs for me, but uh, yeah, in general, I think. It's a nice vibe. It made me. It made me want to go back to the start, and listen to it again, because there's so many random elements, which I think is probably a good sign. Cool. Um, uh, another another thing yeah. Harry Stafford said about yeah, yeah. it, which I, f- I forgot to say earlier, was uh, it's also a groove on city life and walking in the traffic and noise and people, something we won't be doing for a few weeks yet. Uh, and this, this I love. Everyone shouting <laughs> silently at each other, afraid to be noticed <laughs> and afraid to be invisible. Oh, well, that's yeah. deep. Yeah, very- poetic and I, I i do i do really like the use of the kind of natural sounds i, I actually kind of had <laughs> hoped they were going to stay in for a bit longer because they come out when the trumpets come in um and that synth or whatever so i think if they'd stayed maybe a little bit longer i think i think it would have come across more urban to me but i do love the addition of kind of natural sounds like that cool so uh rich your thoughts sorry i've been busy in the background on mute um yeah um 
dad blues, isn't it? You've just invented a new genre, have you, Richard? Dad blues. He brought some dad rock last time. He's brought some dad blues this time. Dad blues this time. Yeah, I liked it. It's good. It's um, everything that you've all said. There's nothing I can add to what you've said. It's good. It's, um, it hasn't made it onto my playlist. It, but, yeah, it's an interesting take on blues. Yeah, it's good. Enjoyed it. I like dad blues as a new genre. You should uh, you should patent that before someone else snaps it up. They can have it. No <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about the dad blues. It should just be a new genre, just Neil. That's it. The new genre is Neil. <laughs> We've already got Wayne music. Yeah. If we've got Wayne music, now you're having Neil music, that's it. But but this isn't this isn't really Neil music though, is it? Because it's too close to jazz. It's too close to jazz, yes, it's Neil Jazz. I don't think it was uh, <laughs> Neil <20. Jazz. laughs> I don't think it was too much jazz that much. I think it was the blues element that made you think of the jazz. It's the start, it's, it's sort of you just you stick a trumpet in something you, or, or a saxophone, you automatically think of jazz. Not everything with a trumpet and a sax in is jazz. He's definitely flirting with jazz bad. enough to make me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, you want to steer clear. All uh, right, we all spent on Neil's song then. Yeah, so yeah. move on to you then, okay, Wayne. We'll move on to me, yeah. So I'm bringing my, octum- my octopus mind with their song Pimp. Enjoy.
doubt that you have gone. I, I am not the world you learn to rely on. I, I do not see clearly now that you have gone. I am not the world you draw voices from the Marked of us mind with pimp, pimp, pimp. Try saying it, pimp. You always come out with pimp. Pimp. So, Marked of us mind have developed a wild form of experimental rock using Balkan rhythms mixed with heavy psychedelic post-punk, wonky riffs, and moments of haunting grace. All of this delivered with a subversive approach to songwriting at its heart. These guys are from Bristol. Uh, they are Liam O'Connell on guitar. I think it's Lizy, Lizy Ellis on double bass, bull fiddle, and Oliver Cocup on drums. This got me straight away. Uh, this this came through other than November December last year, and the minute I listened to it, I was like, "This is fucking brilliant!" The entire album is fantastic. These guys are so musically avant garde. Yeah, it's it's yeah. just fucking brilliant. The entire album is they swing for the fence with the album, and the same with this song. It's it's just it's so odd, and and it can be divisive. People really really won't like this, and people will really love it like I do. And and you know they've just got great riffs. Um, it's it's fantastically re- re- recorded and produced. And, you know, it's right up my street. It's it's intriguing. It's seductive. It's it's. I haven't got enough adjectives to say this is fucking brilliant. It's maybe my favourite song I've ever brought to their head. They are definitely one wow. of my favourite bands I've, I've come across. Yes. It's the truth. You know, they remind me of bands I absolutely love, like Shy Hullard, Mars Volta. There's a bit of Rush in there. You know, um, and and there's a band that Neil uh, that Rich loves called Evelyn Evelyn, and I've got shades of them in there. And it may just be from the instruments they're using, but I think this is absolutely fucking incredible. You know, the the way they're bringing the the, the off kilter music together, the 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 odd times they bring together. The Neil, what's your favourite prog? There you go. The, the prog elements they all bring in together, and they're prog, using yep, yep. natural oh, yes, instruments. Right. You know, they're using a double bass. It's it's just incredible. I f- absolutely fucking love this. So we'll start with Rich. Um. <laughs> no, the, the, that's not that's not. But um, it's got a lot of what I like in it. It's got a lot of what I like in it. It's not it's not everyday listening music. This one. It's more it's more like it feels more like a theatre piece, um, like stage music. Um, this is more rock opera than what Neil has brought for the um, for the. Genre challenge, I feel debatable, but we'll get on to that. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's great, I, I, I really, I, I enjoyed it. It was too long. I didn't, this, I didn't look see, see how long it was when it when it first came on, and uh, 
about a minute and I thought, oh, well, about 30 seconds and I thought, oh, it's, a, it's an instrumental. He's built another instrumental. And then after two minutes, it started. I thought, shit, this is going to be long. And then I looked at the time and yeah, it was going to be long. By the time it got started, I was ready for, ready for it to, to finish. It was like, I don't know, it was it was really good and it was really complicated and complex and there was lots going on. I really enjoyed it. I love the nuances of it. I love the sound. I love the... The, the the quirkiness of it, but I feel like there, there's more than one song in there, and it's not like a regular listening song for me. This one, it's um, like I say, it belongs on the stage or something. But it's good. It is good. It'd be perfect for stage. That's how good it is. It'd be perfect for it. I'm not sure what the narrative is behind the song. Do you know what it isn't, Wayne? I don't, mate. I don't. I was trying to figure out the entire album to be honest, because the album feels like a concept album. But I think it's a bit avant-garde even, you know, I'd have to ask them what, what the entire mm. album's about. Because it does feel like it's, like you say, you know, I totally agree with what you're saying about rock opera. It's in that it's in that vein, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, so that, that's, that's my thought. I don't, I, don't I, I do like it, but I, I, I couldn't listen to it as a, as a regular listening thing. I, I listened to the album first time through and then put it straight back on. It was, it was, it is fucking phenomenal. It really is incredible. Like Ooh. I say, they swing for the fences. This is Radiohead. This is. This is it's. 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 I can appreciate it, but I can't enjoy it. Well, I can. I can enjoy it in small doses. Like I say, it's divisive. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's. It's making you think whether you like it or not. So. Mm. Oh, I do uh, like right. it. Um, Sam, let's go with Sam. Yeah, I'm kind of in a similar vein to Richie. Like I, I can really appreciate it, and I, I do like it, but it's. I, I don't know, I, yeah, I like it from kind of maybe more like, a, I don't know, an academic point of view than like actually listening-wise. Like, I feel like it's, this song is to experimental music what experimental is to mainstream. It's like <laughs> experimental squared or something. And it's it's really good that there's, there's there's a lot going on and there's obviously like a crazy amount of creativity in the band. It's really, I don't know if you guys ever listened to The Last Bison, but it's got a really similar vibe to them. It's this kind of like, experimental folk rock but yeah like in the when the vocals come in those kind of weird like aggressive struck chords or whatever are really off-putting but it's it's interesting but like maybe not as conventionally pleasant i guess um i do like that it kind of feels like a stream of consciousness though and it almost feels like a really well done like improv um but maybe we want to steer clear jazz still um but yeah and i think like the like lengthwise i don't have a huge problem with songs being that long but i feel like yeah, some of the, I think a song should be that long if like you can't fit all the ideas into one. But I think some of these ideas go on just just a little bit longer than I would have done or I I would enjoy. So I think it could, you could shave easily a minute and a half off it, and you'd still have all the ideas that are there in it. Crazy, crazy creative, and I feel like my octopus mind is the perfect band name for some for someone who makes this kind of <laughs> yeah. radical music. Like, yeah, I didn't think about that. Great. Um, just before yeah. we move on to, I just want to check something because the start of the song to me sounded so familiar and I think I've just worked out where it's come from there it is it's John Gorm that sounds exactly like the start of Passion Flower by John Gorm the start of that song and the start of John Gorm's song Almost identical. Even the well, se- even the se- even the sound of the guitar. So uh, uh, it makes me wonder if they've um, 
copied that, but it is... You give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, I've been racking my mind all week over it, and it's just hit me. Have a listen to Passion Flower when you get a chance, Wayne, by John Gomm. You want to where I see a really good guitarist? He's the... Oh, he's fucking amazing. I heard he's fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking on him. Anyway. Neil? Uh, before we go on to me, can we have a quick pause? Because that water has gone right through me, and you know I have the world's smallest bladder. Okay, we're going to top up our drinks. Neil's going to have a pee. If I talk for too long, I will wee myself. I'll be back in the short. And we'll go to this short commercial break. Hi, got a question for you. Have you got a shit beard, a pubic mess around your mouth and face that looks like a badly kept vagina? Well, I've got some good news for you. You can get 15% off at RuneSilk. They have some of the best beard and face products I've ever used. No shit, hands down. So click the link in the description now to go and get your products for 15% off. Or use the discount code YHHTMPC at RuneSilk.com. They also sell sunglasses that are really fucking cool and stop your eyes from burning out and shit. So get over there now and get yourself a face and a mane that would make fucking Aslan jealous and a Viking princess wetting her britches. Stop having a shit beard. You can thank me later. After all that frivolity, yeah. Neil. So welcome, yeah, welcome back. That's where, that's where we're at. Yeah. So, so what, what, what do I think of this song? Um, it's interesting. Definitely interesting. It. Um, I thought it was an instrumental to begin with. I think somebody. Did you say that as well, Rich? Yeah, I said. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I was kind of thinking. Oh no, Wayne's bought another pretentious instrumental, but it's not that. <laughs> it's <laughs> nothing wrong with it. Let's try and get into the vibe of an instrumental. Let's put ourselves in instrumental headspace. And then he completely <laughs> threw me because he started singing. I was like, oh, didn't expect that. And then the thing is, I listened to it again afterwards <laughs> and I, I realised it wasn't just the fact that, you know, it had been, he got like a two minute intro. Where he comes in is extremely unusual. What? Is it after two minutes? Yeah. Well, no, he, it he, is, yeah. He, he kind of like. He sort of comes in part way through a bar. It's, it's not where you expect. That's what it sounded like to me. It was like. When I listened to it back again, knowing that he was going to come in, it was like, oh, I didn't expect him to come in there. You know, it was very, very sort of off-kilter. Um, when the vocal started, um, you mentioned the prog thing, Wayne, it was very much... Um, and I think his voice as well was very reminiscent of uh, Sid Barrett, the original Pink Floyd singer, um, who, uh, who basically um, suffered from schizophrenia, exaggerated Don't. by... Um, Neil, Neil, we got a oh, whole section about Pink Floyd in the bit down below. Sid, Sid Barrett had already left at that point, uh, but he, he basically went mad through a combination of schizophrenia, uh, exaggerated by mind-altering drugs. We've all been there, but uh, but, but yeah, it, it, no, who hasn't? Yeah, <laughs> it, it definitely had a sort of Sid Barrett era Pink Floyd vibe to it, which I, I can't not like. Um, and this, somebody else, I think you said it's Sam. This band has got the most awesome name in the world. Oh, I, yeah, it's just it's just so so apt for the kind of stuff they're making. Remind yeah. me what they were called again. The, it's about octopuses. My octopus, my octopus mind. My octopus yeah. mind. Yeah, I mean, I want to be in a band called My Octopus Mind. Not not necessarily their band, but uh, that is just the best band name ever. It's not Neil. The yeah. best band name got sent to me the other day, and. Uh, Astronaut, astro, 
Could you spell astronaut? Oh, fucking hell, yeah, I saw that, Rich. I'm bringing a band in a few weeks called The Erotic Secrets of Pompeii. No, my <laughs> octopus mind beats it. Yeah, well, it's, it, it's definitely up because I feel like the uh, this song had to have come from a from a brain with, like, tentacles. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It, like it gives that, you that yeah. image straight it, away, it just, the, the bad name. Yeah, kind of, of chaos. There's something wriggling around in somebody's mind and infecting all different parts of it. Yeah. The, the, the band I'm thinking of that got sent to us the other day was something like Ast- the, my astronaut aardvark or something like that. Was, was it? That, was astronaut aardvark? No, my, my, yeah. my octopus wow, mind's it, yeah. better. Yeah, there, was a, there was a band in like the, the 80s, I think, called the Spiritual Descendants of the Red Onion Jazz Babies, <laughs> which is I think is still number one for me. No one has knocked that off the spot yet. There was once a band that I heard of called uh, the Incest Survivors Group. Yeah. <laughs> what a bunch of anchors yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many toes were in that band. <laughs> uh, how, how many toes did how many toes 20. did we have? <laughs> uh, Forty. Too, too many anyway. <laughs> Forty and they're oh. only a three piece. <laughs> <laughs> Dear God. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I liked it a lot. Unusual, off kilter, very prog, very everything I love. Yeah, well, great. Excellent. So. Good, good. I'm glad you liked We're it. We're going now. on to the um, the all important, the all important verdict. Yeah, so that's for me. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to have to go with Richie and Motel. No shit. Obviously. I no, thought you were going to go with Neil. I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint wow. you, Neil, with your uh, with your lowly with your lowly no, one point. Cool. But I don't know. I think I think I, um, I think, as, as a, uh, I, I think Motel deserved to win. To be perfectly yeah, honest, it was I think definitely as a whole, my favourite this week. There's, I, there's things I liked. I, I you know I don't. I try to avoid being like, oh, I didn't like this because there's things I like in each sound. But I think just the biggest number was from was from Motel by Dimitri um, so mm. yeah big props to him yeah there's there's lots of there's there's lots of elements rich. and I chose this um, before I really listened to your song so it, well, it wasn't tactical this time but uh, I did notice there were lots of elements that uh, similar to the, the way you yeah. write and, and produce do you produce yeah, kind I do, of stuff yeah. um, or at least have done up to now yeah so it's uh, I think I think as well the fact that I've produce an EP or whatever like I can appreciate how how hard it is to make something sound at all decent and like I feel I yeah, he's yeah. just done a great job of that and I'm actually both very impressed and absolutely furious that he's 22 um he said he's it sounds <laughs> okay. more like I don't know sophisticated or something but has he produced I'm it himself sure, I didn't yeah, check that maybe there's, maybe there's something in the water in Greece. he's probably got a producer yeah, behind uh, him I know I, I really like it though. there's some really cool things going on and even like what I was kind of moaning about earlier with the chorus like that's you know obviously like a real small thing but in general it's a it's a really it's a really cool track so big big props to dimitri there you go then congratulations mm. rich okay so yeah yeah you're, you're, running you're, you're being it, absolutely humble. running away with it yeah 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 uh, it's not a competition uh, not, it's not a competition not a close not a, if it not was a close, not a close i'll be winning but if I, but no <laughs> oh, fuck no um but yeah so yeah take it away Wayne. Carry on. Uh, yeah so after after rich's um another raucous victory we're going to move on to the hidden masterpiece <laughs> So we're on to the Hidden Masterpiece section of the show, and uh, this is the part of the show where Sam is going to bring a song which he believes is as good, or if not better than that, of a famous artist's work. So what song are you bringing this week, Sam, for your Hidden Masterpiece? Just say that um, 
this uh, for obvious copyright reasons, we shan't be playing this song or my um, intense hardcore drama musical challenge song. But uh, we will put the links in the show notes. So uh, if if you do want to sort of get a bit of context, pause the podcast now, go away and listen to them, and um, then you can appreciate the commentary about to make. Yeah, sweet. So yeah, so the song I brought is uh, "Goner" by Twenty One Pilots. Um, now with regard to like how hidden masterpieces go like this song still has a fair whack of views um and love for it but you know it's it's a final track from their album blurry face that they released in 2015 so like it wasn't a single and i've, I've not heard it on the radio really because i think when when people who aren't like as in 21 pilots have been a one of my favorite bands for years i feel when people think of them who aren't big fans you know they think of the big ones like stressed out and heathens and house of gold and all these but this is there's just something so like raw about this and so um so honest i don't know and i think one thing as well that i've noticed in their albums is i feel like they're great at uh, the kind of final track of the album because especially this i don't know for me it sounds i don't know what you guys think but it sounds like he's like almost too tired to keep like writing and to keep making music or whatever but then there's this big surge and this big release in the last minute of the song um but yeah there's just so such a i don't know like they, i've seen their music described as schizophrenic pop before and I think it's kind of perfect for this song as well because there's it's so quiet and honest and intimate and then there's this big, yeah, massive surge at the end. So, uh, yeah, what what did you guys think of it? Is it was it up your alley? Um, start with you, Rich. Oh, you have an absolute passion for Twenty One Pilots. Love them. I've been listening to Twenty One Pilots for as long as I can remember. Um, this song, I I do know this song, and it's. I don't think anybody does build-ups quite as good no, as 21 Pilots. And this song is a good example of that. And it's, again, like, uh, it's an unexpected uh, build-up as well, this one. Because you don't expect, uh, the way it turns out at the end, yeah. like you say, it's, it's, it's unexpected. Usually when there's a breakdown like that, you can feel it coming. They usually work up to it with, with the drums or something. And you, you, can, you can feel that breakdown about to come. This not so much. It just I mean, a little bit, but yeah, it's it not does as feel obvious. Like it's kind of winding and, down, and like up, up to that point, but it's it was so ple- but that, it was so. and it wasn't unpleasant before that. I enjoyed it, and it's a nice piece of music. But then when that came, it was like yeah, yes. it's kind of, yeah, it's a real. It's exactly it's what you didn't realize yeah. you've been waiting for. I think <laughs> yes, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, look, brilliant piece of music, fantastic song, and I don't think these guys get the acclaim they should. Although they're famous and very, you know, they, they do well, I think they should be more popular than what they are. Personally, they kind of occupy that space for me where I feel like people who know them love them, but a surprising amount of people I talk to haven't heard of them, which is it's yeah. weird. But they, they have a very loyal fan base. They've got cult following. Yeah, Big time, got yeah. Cult I think following. I think they kind of tapped into that. I oh, know well, at least people in like my generation mm. when Twenty One Pilots had, like that kind of second and third albums like everyone my age was kind of emo was at fourteen and fifteen so ma- they massively tapped into that and I think uh, they're just they're just insanely interesting guys I think yeah and they ch- they change you know they they evolve all all the time from album to album they, they never stay the same they never sound they sound the same but they they don't lose that Twenty One Pilots thing about you know it's them but it's, it's yeah. always different and they're, I'm kind of experimental but they're not they're not risky with, with it if you're not it's hard for me to explain but 
Yeah, they're just brilliant. I, think, I, I love all the thinking behind. Like this is from the album Blurry Face, and like I I know I've watched so many interviews with them because I just think they're so cool. And they talk about how Blurry Face is like this character they've created who kind of represents all their insecurities. And he, you know, he, you know, I I'm sure you know from the videos that he like paints his neck and his hands black, and it has all these meanings. I think they've just they just really taught all their all their. Uh, aspects to their brand i think is really thought through and i just I, the music speaks for itself i think yeah and they're not experimental for the sake of being experimental everything they do is very clever and it's very they're, they're, they're just amazing musicians really good yeah, musicians neil um yeah i uh, i'm not really familiar with 21 pilots i know of them um i don't know a lot of their their work um I enjoyed this. Uh, I enjoyed the, um, the sort of flow of it. Um, the you know the the, the, the gentle sort of piano based um, um, start of it, um, and even talking about the build up and everything. Um, for me, I didn't get a build up. It sort of turned into a different song at the end, and that threw me off a bit. Um, it kind of suddenly went all metal, which I should have enjoyed, but it's just it kind of. I couldn't get that transition, and yeah, I, I um, for, for for me, I don't think it really worked because of that. But you know, it's maybe if I listen to it a few more times, so I'll, I'll get I'll get where they were going. Yeah, I think if you went away and listened to this four or five times, you'd come back with I a different so, yeah. opinion. The, the thing you put me, the thing it reminded me of um, was uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the sitcom Bad Education. Uh, not much. With um, like Jack Whitehall. Oh. Jack yeah, Whitehall, I, I yeah. Jack it, yeah. Whitehall plays a really incompetent teacher, um, and Matthew Horne played his even more incompetent headmaster. Um, and there was there was a there, there was an episode I remember. You had this brilliant scene in where uh, they had a school fight, and uh, and they had, Matthew Horne's uh, band were going to play, and um, but they they had a bit of a disagreement within the band about what kind of approach they wanted to take. Because he wanted to go down the Mumford and Sons sort of route, but his um, his guitarist was a huge fan of Slipknot, so they created this band called Not Slip and Sons. And he kind of just, he kind of went from like he starts off with this acoustic guitar playing, you know, something Mumford, something Mumford and Sonsy, and then he came and sort of panned across this bloke in like full metal makeup and costume, sort of like really rocking out. Uh, and that's what he put me in yeah, mind. Yeah, it doesn't sound a million miles away from this at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I love that scene, and it reminded me of that scene. So credit to it for doing that. Um, mm. Yeah, in terms of, I mean, you, you mentioned yourself, Sam, about how, uh, yeah, this is an album track, but it's not really unknown either. It's uh, the link that you sent across to us uh, on YouTube has uh, has now fewer than 34 and a half million views. insane numbers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, as of the 26th of May 2015. No, it was posted on the 26th of May 2015, yeah. yeah that's it, but, uh, yeah, it's had 34 and a half million views. Yeah, it's... it's... Kind of um, so, yeah, yeah. So, so, so Wayne. <laughs> right, okay. A few facts and figures. So, 21 Pilots, their song Gone is from Blurry Face, as everybody said, from 2015. The band has 21 million monthly listens. Tw- 21 million? million seriously? <clears throat> Tw- 21 yeah, Pilots have 21 <laughs> million <laughs> listens. You couldn't I take make back my, I take I back my. Uh, I take back my earlier state, statement of uh, they're, they're not as well known as they should be. <laughs> 
I've got some more. Um, so they're from Colombia. They are a duo of Tyler jo- uh, Joseph and Josh Dunn. Um, Blurry Face is the band's fourth album. They are a many genre band, including hip hop, rock, pop, reggae, Metal. indie, and uh, obviously as as as. Um, Sam has said that this is the last track on the album. Blurry, Blurry Face was the band's first number one album in the US. Their most famous songs are Levels of Concern, Chlorine, Royd, yeah. which nearly has a billion wow. plays on Spotify, and Stretched Out, which has 1.2 billion plays on Spotify. Yeah. And that's the one I've heard of, is Stretched Out. And obviously, as, as Sam alluded to, the album is about individual insecurity. Um, for me, this song is all about the drums. 100% about the drums. And the drums don't come in till, like pretty much a quarter to halfway through the song and it's about that build and about the false the false build the, the couple of times when they do it before they get to that you know rock indie rock end that skirts on on the verge of emo to be honest if if, if I'm being really honest because it's got that you know the my, it's my, the almost my chemical like romance produced. isn't it yeah there's there's very kind of absolutely emo 100% right up that alleyway and and he doesn't do much with the drums. It's not technically incredible, but what he does with the drums sonically is enough to get your interest and drag you back in. He's sort of marching without being a marching beat. It, it is fucking brilliant. I absolutely love it. I'm, like I say. And he's, I think he's probably my favourite drummer in the world is uh, Josh Dunn. He's just insane. Like their, their beats are always, yeah, in, I just, I'm obsessed with mm. his kind of style as mm. a drummer. I mean, like I say, I think I've only ever heard Stressed Out. I think it's at the end of a film somewhere on, or a television show. It's been used somewhere, and that's where I know the song from. So I'm, I'm not, what you'd yeah. say, up with 21 Pilots at all. I don't know their stuff at all. But this is this is really good. And it's, it's I mean, it's certainly, when I say, like, it's it probably wouldn't classify as hidden, seeing as it's got 34 million <laughs> views. But, like, I think when you're comparing it to, I know three or four of their songs are, are pushing a billion quite comfortably. So I think... You know, in comparison, it's definitely one of their lesser-known songs. I feel, and also like, I don't know, for the hidden masterpiece section, like I, I, I feel like I don't know massive bands well enough to know like hmm. songs that are kind of hidden and no one knows about. I feel too. Uh, I'm too. Okay. I'm too stuck um, in the mainstream. I, I, for that. I, if I was going to choose a song by <laughs> Twenty One Pilots. There's a song they did, and I'm pretty sure it's them, but I can't confirm. But I'm pretty sure it was them, and I just—it was on my playlist when I first discovered them. And it's—it was a cover of "Putting on Your Ritz," and I can't find the fucking thing anywhere anymore. But I'm pretty sure it was them that did it. It's hidden. <laughs> it might, I don't, yeah, I don't know. know. It I might heard not it. be them, but I'm pretty sure it was. And I'm determined to find it now. But yeah, if if if, it, if I'm right, that would have been a brilliant hidden masterpiece. Their first album's insane as well. I was going to choose one from that because, like, I think I think they produced it themselves. It was before they were because they're with Fuel by Raymond, the label, and I think the the first album was before they were signed. So there's a lot of incredible songs from that, and they're cool because they're like very unaffected by any sort of fame. It was kind of their their first album. So it's they're all they're all just class. I feel like I'm a walking talking ad for Twenty One Pilots at this stage, but they're they're unreal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you two, you two should definitely so, go and check so them out boys. a bit more. Big time. Oh, yeah, I, I think <laughs> I shall. I've got plenty of time <laughs> to do it. So yeah. Oh, I thought um, you meant Bono so should go and check them out. It's <laughs> an all important question. He only li- he only lives down the road. <laughs> so I can, I can fuck sake. He only lives down the road. You shouldn't but, check him out. Tax, tax. Yeah, so he should probably right? start paying tax as well, shouldn't he? That hasn't. That... I, I just fucking flew over my head. That didn't. <laughs> I, I just I've just got it now. Okay now. 
So, uh, boys, we're at that point. Is it a hidden masterpiece or not? No. Uh, it's a no for me as well. It's a fantastic song. It's a masterpiece. It's okay. a masterpiece. Half right. Definitely, but but it's uh, it's. I don't think it's hidden. This is the first time in three weeks, that, in three episodes, that I've decided that I think it is. I think it is a hidden masterpiece. Oh, unreal. Based on the numbers, Wayne, based on the numbers, come on, think about it. I've, I've never heard of this band, really. You know, so it's, I'm, hit, I'm, it's hidden to you. At, when I'm looking at the numbers today, it shocked me how much that these songs have been played. Can, you know, I just thought they were a small... Because uh-huh, uh-huh, you see, they're, they're hiding in plain sight. That's probably it, yeah. <laughs> so, so to come across an album track of an album I've never heard of by a band who I sort of know, then yeah, you see the masterpiece. Yeah, it's I'm going to have to disagree, so. unfortunately, and I love this band. So, but yeah... It's one, I'm afraid, Sam. It's it's the door is shut and it will not go into the oh, hidden masterpiece. You can't, you can't you got, have you got a door slamming sound? Sound trombone. Should, should I put a sound <laughs> trombone in? <laughs> no, I got this. I got this ready. Brilliant. That's so disheartening. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself, Sam. <laughs> uh, right then, so. Um, we're going to move on to Neil's favourite section of the show, and I have got a sound clip for this as well. So we're going to move on to the intense hardcore genre musical challenge mode. Go. So on to the intense hardcore genre musical challenge mode Go, which last time Kate Stevens decided that Neil was going to go and find the genre of rock opera. So Neil, tell us all about your journey. Well, um, I'll be the first to admit it wasn't much of a journey. I debated whether to be a bit more original or not, but when your favourite band in the world ever has done uh, a rock opera that you consider to be one of the greatest productions in history it would seem wrong not to showcase it but i think i managed to do it in a way that still sort of nods to the ethos of our show which i will, I will explain as, as we go in so first of all what what is rock opera um, and this is why when um, you mentioned before about my octopus mind song uh, being more rock opera than this i had to say debatable i mean rock opera it's not exactly a genre it can be it can be anything really um within the confines of rock which is a very broad spectrum the music of rock opera is literally music arranged in a narrative for a show. So, like, classic examples are the, the Who's uh, Tommy, Quadrophenia. We mentioned uh, Rock of Ages last week. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's a stage show, effectively, accompanied by uh, music, which tells a narrative, uh, tells a story. So, going back to my octopus mind, yeah, I, I think that could that song could fit within a rock opera, but I'd have to listen to the context around it to understand if it was meant to be a rock opera. Maybe it was. But The Wall is uh, is definitely a rock opera. So I bought the track from The Wall, another brick in the wall. Uh, again, I, I cheated a little bit. I'll be the first to admit I brought not one but four tracks 
but really the whole um, concept of rock opera is you've got to kind of listen to more than one track in order to appreciate the flow of it. You're kind of scratching your head now thinking you only bought three, I actually bought four because there is um, uh, a, a short track, uh, The Happiest Days of Our Lives, which is sandwiched in between parts one and part two. A bit when he talks about uh, when I went to school, I had these teachers who had victimised people and then get beaten within an inch of their lives when they went home by their wives. That That, that, that is a separate track in its own right. So, yeah, well, what is The Wall all about? Brainchild of Roger Waters, um, who pretty much wrote every song on the album and the opera um, with a little bit of interjection from Dave Gilmore. It was really when cracks in the band started to, to show and uh, Waters started to, to take over a bit. It all came about because of an incident in, uh, on the previous tour when he he really lost it with a fan. Uh, I don't know if he spat at the fan or the fan spat at him. So, so there was some kind of altercation with a fan. Uh, and he got really sort of paranoid and insecure and thought, wouldn't it be fantastic if we could do a stage show from behind a wall? Um, so he then came up with this concept, started exploring these themes of alienation. He came up with this whole rock opera, which involved a really lavish production where the band are playing and a wall gets constructed around them and then broken down. The st- story, basically, uh, it's semi-autobiographical based on his life and the former uh, lead singer mentioned earlier, Sid Barrett describes a rock star who's through a, a series of events in his life um, his father killed in, in World War II uh, which is what another Brick in the Wall Part 1 is about um, and um, uh, and then a traumatic experience at school uh, where he's victimised by teachers another Brick in the Wall Part 2 um, it then goes through uh, dealing with an overbearing mother lots of failed relationships and all the rest of it um, to the point where he constructs this metaphorical wall around himself to, to hide from society. Um, and that's the, the another brick in the wall, part three, is, is that point when uh, he, he kind of goes behind the wall. Um, and then he gets really weird because he turns into some kind of fascist dictator. Uh, and that later part of the show is all in his head, um, following the narrative so all this happens he constructs this this this, this metaphorical wall around himself uh, and then the um his uh, his manager and road crew um kind of find him comatose in a hotel room on drugs they inject him with more drugs which is what the, the song comfortably numbs about so he, he has the ability to perform and he kind of has this hallucination about being this sort of military dictator and the, the crowd are at one of his rallies um, and he sort of goes off on a tangent with that for a bit and then gets to the point where he finally says stop. Uh, and they have this kind of mock trial as part of the show where he judges himself, finds himself guilty in his own mind. Uh, and his sentence is to uh, is for the wall to be destroyed and for him to be exposed to, to society. Um, very arty, very pretentious. I don't think the rest of the band got it, which is where kind of where the um, the tension started to come. Um, the, the the tour itself lost money um, because uh, not because it was poorly attended, but because it was just it was just so extravagant. In fact, the only um, the only member of the band who actually profited from it was Richard Wright, the keyboard player, because Roger Waters sacked him halfway through production, <laughs> and then realised nobody else could play keyboard the way he wanted to, so he rehired him as staff. Uh, and he actually got paid for it. Um, yeah, and uh, so uh, 
yeah, that's that's basically the concept of it. It was turned into a film starring Bob, Bob Geldof in the lead role as the uh, uh, as, as the protagonist rock star uh, in 1982. Uh, I tried to get hold of the film, but it's um, it, it's impossible to find anywhere. Uh, so I, uh, I, I I rewatched the stage show instead, uh, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, that's that's basically the story of of the wall and uh, and why I bought this track. Uh, I didn't did say earlier how it, it kind of fits with our motif about being uh, to do with uh, hidden music because while a lot of people are very um, familiar with another brick in the wall part two. Is one of the few singles that uh, Pink Floyd actually released in that era. Uh, they, their producer, Bob Ezrin, persuaded them to uh, because he, he could hear single material in it. Um, he, I think he sort of tampered with it a lot and, and made it sort of very sort of radio friendly. Um, it wasn't something they actually planned to release, uh, but not many people realise it's actually a part one and a part three that go to the uh, to, to do another brick in the wall that kind of kind of tell that narrative. So yeah, who wants to lay into me first? Which you go first? Okay, um, I don't think this is an opera. Um, the dictionary definition of an opera is um, a composition in which music is an essential and predominant factor. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, it's a musical drama. It's this is singing about something. It's not okay. It's not telling. It's not telling. It's like a, I just need to stop you there and say don't don't look at the dictionary definition of opera. Look up what rock opera is. It still uses the word opera. It's yeah, like for you, me, rock you, opera it uses the word opera, but it's a completely different thing. Opera purists hate the use of rock opera because they don't consider it to be true opera. It's because it's a different genre of music. It's rock opera, but, um, not opera. For, for me, <laughs> they're two if, different if things I, if, completely. If, if I was going to bring rock opera, I'd bring Meatloaf. Um, and as far as I know, Meatloaf's never done a rock opera. What's the song I'm thinking of? Not bad, the other one. Um, I'd do anything for love. Again, it's, that, it's not part the, of the, not part the, of a rock the, opera. The video, the video, the video itself is an opera. It's operatic, um, but it's not part of a rock opera. This is this or, is this is part of a genuine Queen, rock Bowie, opera. Queen, Bowie, Rhapsody. That would be that would be a rock. Now opera. That is part of a rock opera called We Will Rock You. To, to me, it didn't feel like opera. But it, it, I agree, it doesn't feel like opera. But I wasn't asked to bring opera. I, 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 <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the. Uh, and I was surprised by the extra elements that I didn't know about, and it was a song that I chose to put on while out on my bike to, to listen to because um, although it wasn't something I could listen to at home, just regular listening, when I was out in the sun just riding the bike, it was something that was nice to accompany my my ride, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a good song but I don't know, when I look at the, the definition of opera I, 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 I struggle with it, I think there's better, better I, songs out I there I completely agree with you, it. but I, wa- I wasn't challenged to bring opera mm, okay <laughs> Sam. I hate it. I hate it when you guys fight. <laughs> <laughs> go, go for it, Sam. Um, what's what's the difference between a what, what's the difference between a rock opera and a concept album? Nothing. Very little. <laughs> they're one and the same. Nothing. So they're kind of yeah. I mean, so it doesn't have to be written like with a film or a, a show in mind. Because no. I know often often they I know the wall uh, became a stage show and a film and all that, but that's. 
I think that's possibly what separates yeah. them. I think I think a, a rock opera is, is genuinely accompanied by a show, whereas a, a concept album might have might, might have the story, but without the show. Now, that's just my my understanding of it. I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I still like I love it. Now, to be perfectly honest, and some of my um, I don't know Pink Floyd purist friends have been moaning at me for years, but I've actually not really listened to a huge amount of Pink Floyd um, before. But I obviously know some of the like really famous hooks from these songs, like the teacher yeah. leave them kids alone and all those um, other classics. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was it surprised me how I don't know what kind of expectations I had for it, but it surprised me how kind of minimal a lot of it was. Like it was, you know, it's kind of atmospheric and there's like you know those kind of sparse delayed guitars and there's not like a huge amount of instruments going on. So it's it is surprisingly uh, yeah atmospheric rather than. I was expecting it to be kind of non-stop and in your face, but um, yeah, it definitely uh, enticed me to stop, um, you know, stop kind of ignoring my friends and actually actually take their advice and listen to Pink mm. Floyd. If you have Amazon Prime, uh, mind you, I don't know if it's uh, different domains over in Ireland, but uh, the um, the wall. Uh, so originally, it was uh, this this stage show was toured. Uh, I mean, for the for the tour to promote the album, they did the whole the whole wall show where they built the wall and broke it down and acted all the roles and things um, in 1980, 1979, yeah. 1980. But uh, Roger Waters did like a modern version of it with his own band, with his, uh, his new band um, in his 2012. That version's on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, it's, it's well worth a watch. Okay, cool. Because it's just... And to be fair, when I when, when I heard the term um, rock opera, it, it immediately reminded me of. Have you guys seen the film Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that film. Yeah, it immediately immediately reminded me of like Jason Segel and that who's writing his rock opera about yeah. Dracula. <laughs> oh, so fucking hell, yeah. like, I was immediately like, is is that, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not dissimilar. So a few facts uh, about Pink Floyd. So Pink Floyd, another brick in the wall. Pink Floyd are from London and they formed in 1965. The name comes from Sid Barrett, uh, to, Sid Barrett's two favourite bluesmen, who was Pink Anderson and Floyd Council. The band parted wade with, uh, ways with Sid Barrett in 1968 due to his excessive acid-induced paranoia. A film of their 1967 show, 14-hour Technicolor Dream, still exists and is available on DVD. Yoko Ono is there performing an art installation and John Leonard is captured in the crowd, uh, but they had not met at this point. Uh, apparently, Dark Side of the Moon is owned by one in twelve people in in the world. Uh, the Wall is uh, the Wall is a groundbreaking 1982 rock opera film as well, starring as Neil said Bob uh, Bob Hoskins, Bob Geldof, and it charts the gradual mental breakdown of a rock and roll superstar. And I watched it today. It is fucking weird. It is an <laughs> Orwellian you, nightmare. Where, where did, where did you get it? I will tell you after the show. Okay. I didn't illegally download it, but I'll tell you okay. after the show. It's too involved. I, 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 is, I really want to see it. It's fucking batshit crazy. Is well, what the, the show is. The, the narrative. The, 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 the show that you can watch on Amazon Prime is, but yeah. Would help be classed it's, as a rock opera. Uh, yeah, potentially. It's 100% a rock opera, this, without fail. This is definitely a rock opera. It's so fucking out there. You know, the start juxtaposes between the three storylines, between Bob Geldof as a rock and roll singer, him as a child and losing his dad in World War One, and him as a fascist dictator. And that happens in the first five minutes of the film. It throws these things out and you've got to try and catch up with it. And if you don't sort of just let it wash over you, you just sat there going, hang on, what the fuck's going on? And I had that a lot in the film. It's only 90 minutes long and there's a lot of stuff in there that I didn't really get. Well, it's funny. I've watched the show a few times. Um, 
I've never seen the film, but I've watched the uh, the stage show that I watched last night, and um, I, I never really got... I got it up until the creation of the wall and the whole him retreating behind the metaphorical wall thing, but I never really got the stuff about the fascist dictator in the end. at the end, and uh, when I was watching it last night, all of a sudden it came to me, this is all taking place in his head, isn't it? And I googled it afterwards, yeah, and I it, actually read the plot, and I was like, yeah, I was basically spot on. It's sort of explained in the film, yeah. but only sort of. Because he's in this stupor, but because it's so the editing is so choppy and changey, you're sort of catching up with it. But yeah, it, it's an interesting watch if nothing else. You know, it is. It is if you're not there. a Pink Floyd um, fan, you have not sold that film. I'm not a Pink Floyd <laughs> yeah. fan. Too. No, but I'm just saying, if, if obviously the, the Pink Floyd fans out there will want to watch that, but anybody else would have listened to what you just said and go, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to watch. You've it. sold it to me. <laughs> but I wanted to watch it anyway. <laughs> It's it's not it's not a film to be enjoyed. It's a film to be experienced. What the, the fuck film. is the point then? <laughs> <laughs> you experience films, of course you do. Um, yeah, by accident, and I think I wish I had to watch that now. The def- the definition I found of rock opera is a rock opera is a selection of songs that relate to a common story. Yeah, and I'll research some of the albums they refer to. So, My Chemical Romance, the Black, the Black Parade, is is one they refer refer to. Green Day's American Idiot is another yep. one, and I think the one that that'll tip everybody's opinion here is Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. That is considered a rock no, opera. I can say that, yeah. Um, and Jeff Wayne put a show on 30 years after it was released, so it was a rock opera before the show. You know, I mean, it is, it, it's, the way it flows, the way it works, it is a full-on rock opera. So technically then, Meatloaf song could be a rock opera? No, because it's a song. It could be a part of a rock it could opera. Be part of a rock opera. opera. If, if, yeah, if, but you've just, you've so you've it, just stated that it was a rock opera before it was even a show, so there's nothing... I'm on about the album. Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds is 12 songs about H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. Uh, you know, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. Is one song part of an album like, that isn't got nothing else to do why, with what, 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 what? Who says it's got to be more than one track? The definition of what a rock That's opera what, is? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> reading the definition. I'm, I'm, you know, the definition states it's, it's got to be more than one track. Yeah, it, it says here, a selection of songs that relate to a common story. Which is why I brought four as my submission. God damn pieces so, yeah, um, fucking everybody shit. Knows, everybody knows part two. <laughs> what I got today watching the, watching the film, Neil, is that Metallica and Master of Puppets owe a fucking debt of gratitude oh, to yeah. the war. Yeah. Because there's so much... There's so much iconography in in the wall and the way it's designed and the way it looks, especially the animated moments that they lifted for Master of Puppets. You know, at one point I thought, for a minute, they could Pink Floyd could sue them. <laughs> it's it's that graphic. It's that you know, in in keeping with Master of Puppets. I think I think you know the same as everybody else. I, I like part one. I love part two. I think part, part three is overkill. There's no need for it. I don't. Oh, you know, part three is my favourite. I don't even know where it fits in the but film. It's, 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 You're part three is my favourite. That's when all the angst comes out, and I love the irony of the I don't, I don't, of the line. Uh, I don't need no drugs to calm me. It's like the amount he was on at the time when he wrote that. <laughs> We could have done an actual separate episode on this, couldn't we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah we could I, I, I could talk for two hours on, on, on this. Uh, I, I, ju- I just love the whole... Please don't. That's enough yeah. now. That's enough Pink Floyd. Oh, I, 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 um, <laughs> it won't be the last time Neil it, brings Pink Floyd. I, I think you've done a great job, Neil. I think this is smashed out of the this, park. Uh, I, I, I have just got to say before we move on, this wasn't my... This isn't actually my favourite track off the, uh, off the rock opera. I brought it because it, the, the three or uh, four tracks together sort of... Uh, demonstrate more effectively what what rock opera is. But if I had to pick a favourite track, it would be comfortably Norm, 
which is, um, I, I believe, the greatest song ever written by a long way. When now? Uh, just I have one question. When was the album like released, and how long was it then until the movie? Were they kind of they kind of coincide with each other? The or album, there, three years. The album coincided with the stage show before it was a movie. Mm. Okay, um, yeah, so, yeah. so the album, the album was 1979, uh, and then they toured. You know, normally like a band go on tour with an album, and they'll play a couple of tracks from the album in their back catalogue. They didn't do that. Uh, they yeah, put yeah. the whole, the whole show, uh, which told the narrative, uh, which included acting and special effects and people in costumes and everything. They put the whole show together to promote the album. Um, now that's how to do a fucking gig. Yeah, uh, it, I say lost money though. Yeah, it sounds lost, like something special. Lost, lost loads of money. Um, but I mean, the, the, the gig is. I mean, so I, I, I've not seen the original. I've only seen the new version. But it's it's phenomenal to watch. That's bizarre that it lost money because I would kind of consider it like, you know, yeah, one, of the, when you, when you, one of the most revered. It, albums. It if you watch so their stage shows, the amount of stuff they put yeah, into I their mean, stage shows, I, Jesus Christ! They literally built put, a giant twelve yeah. foot wall in front of the band as as this was going on, and they had, they had a cast of about a hundred, which are oh, yeah, obviously all need, need paying. He was he was just far too ambitious for its time. Yeah, but they yeah. knew they they knew they knew what they were doing. Yeah. They knew what it was going to cost, but. It wasn't about the money. It was about yeah. the the art. It was about the uh, the message. And you, you know, you got to take your hat off to them for that because there ain't many people that are willing to go to those extremes today. It was for Roger Waters. I don't think it was so much for the rest of the band, and that's why they <laughs> fell out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was thirty years. It was, was thirty years ahead of his time. Yeah. It was Roger Waters because now it's common day. Yeah. You know, it's common oh, yeah, to, I mean, to watch a band do do this sort of thing. Watching the modern version of it, the you know the new Roger Waters version of it, it's like you kind of look at it. It doesn't look that special, but if you imagine, uh, and, and the, the production on the new version is so much better because they've had thirty years to refine it. But uh, yeah, look, exactly. looking back, it was incredible. Okay. okay, we're at the end. It's a good find, Neil. So we're going to choose a challenge for me next time. I've I've got the intense hardcore genre musical challenge mode going. Do you next have time, a so peculiar? Was... Do you have a peculiar genre in mind, Sam, or do you want to choose one from the Bible? I uh, I do have one in mind. One that I've only come across in the last couple of days that I think you might be hard pressed. Um, but there is a genre. If you say Min- if you say pop opera, I will come <laughs> over to Ireland and I'll fucking strangle you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just 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 give me a minute. <laughs> no, yeah, the genre I have in mind for this week is ni- a genre called Nintendo Core. <laughs> oh, sounds brilliant. Which is he's going to bring Mario? He's just yeah, going to bring Mario. I would. It is. It is literally like an entire. And I thought. I thought like. I. I don't know how. How something gets the name genre? I kind of was expecting. Oh, there's going to be a few whack jobs on YouTube making this music, but it seems like a proper culture. And yeah, it's just taking like old samples from like 8-bit like Game Boy video games and you know mixing them with like metal and punk and whatever whatever you're having yourself but it's the uh, it's just the strangest combination of things does it have to literally be Nintendo I would love to see I would love to see what kind of uh, does it have to literally be Nintendo or could you have the little jingle that goes Sega (laughs) it's got it's got to be an 8-bit sound doesn't it I, I think it's like I mean it's weird that it's called the Nintendo Core because when I was looking it up like it seems in general it's just video game sounds. I guess it probably originated from the Nintendo you know culture, but uh, I'd just be very curious to see what kind of what kind of treasure you're going. I'm find not going to even bother putting it out on Twitter. Not even going to bother. <laughs> no, there's no, there's no. going to be there's going to be nobody that's going to come forward and go. Yeah, actually, the, I specialize in this. But I think some of these things are so niche that it might actually be the best thing you ever do. You reckon I should put it out on, on Twitter, see if I can find someone. Ha, ha, anyway. Hashtag I mean, the shit out of it. 
<laughs> you might lose a few followers, but the ones you gain, they're, they're going to be real fans. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, um, do you remember a while ago we did Black Midi as an intense yes. genre? That was I weird, wasn't it? That? A bit like that. Yeah, I think it'll sound a bit like that. I don't, I don't. I think it'll be real music done in the 8-bit style. What was that 8-bit style music? Yeah, I, 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 where, where they put like loads of extra notes in. That's what he's on Black about, Midi. Black Midi. Was that Black Midi? Oh, right. Yeah. Six million fucking yeah. six million notes per three minute song. Yeah, yeah. that was weird. I was ex- yeah. I was expecting like a a real kind of chip tune thing, but it is it seems a bit more legit than that. And there's kind of there are some bands that genuinely do like a bordering on screamo meets Mario Kart or meets Yoshi or something. It's just so fucking out there. But I will put it out on Twitter uh, then, just yeah, in case there is someone out there who sees it and because at the end of the day. There's not a lot of people trying to listen to this. So if someone comes along and says, "I want to listen to your music," they're going to jump on me. So yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I think I think you'd find some. Uh, I think if you can tap in, because I, I feel like with these things, they're they're small communities, but they're like so intensely loyal <laughs> that if and I feel like it's a real subreddit kind of thing. Okay. So if someone sees <laughs> if someone sees Nintendo Core from this podcast, they it's going straight into the subreddit, and you, you may well blow up <laughs> among the. Among, among the nerdier-leaning folk. Brilliant. <laughs> Excellent. So on the next episode, I will be finding the genre of Nintendo Core. Can't yeah. wait. Have fun. Have fun with You've got access to the Twitter now, Wayne, so you can put that on. I will. I'll do a tweet on later on. Okay, then, so we're going to move on to the last section of the show now, the all-important Artist Spotlight. Artist Spotlight! So we're at the last section of the show, which is the artist spotlight, and we're with our special guest for the episode, Sam Hardiman. So Sam, oh, it's it's a weird year. You uh, you played the the, um, the online festival that we put up earlier in the earlier in the year, and you brought this song. You played that song on there as well, which is called the Ava Sessions. So uh, for the uninitiated, yeah. tell us tell us all about you. What do you what do you do? What what? Who is Sam Hardiman? Yeah, well, so I'm a uh, I'm a music producer, and I just graduated in in November there with. I studied music in college, so it's kind of been, you know, a great deal of my life. And like, I I started playing classical piano when I was five or six. Um, so yeah, music's always been a big a big thing, and started kind of getting into songwriting as a teenager. But yeah, so I did this this EP which I released there um, about two months ago, and the Ava Sessions is the lead track from the EP. It's called A Strange Kind of Intimate. The EP is, and um, it's four tracks I did for my thesis, and it's kind of the idea of the thesis, at least, was um, I was investigating like the merits of online collaboration. So two of the tracks, I collaborate with people over the internet. And then the other two, I work with, you know, um, my my friends or, or collaborators in, in real time or in person. Um, yeah, so and with regard to like my sound, it's always a... I remember, like Richie, when we had the interview before... I, uh, it's a hard question to answer, but I feel, yeah, it's kind of, it's relatively mellow and um, there's singer-songwriter elements, but there's definitely like, you know, I'm, I'm a producer and I love to, you know, produce the songs and make them bigger than, because I write most of them on the piano, so coming into the laptop then and, and bringing them to, to somewhere else is cool. But yes, that's that's probably quite a quite a wacky answer, but yeah, it's it's kind of mellow. It's more mainstream than, I guess, you know, some people I'm around and people in my class would have made... Uh, you know, kind of music from all over the place. So, but it's it's a little bit more mainstream, but 
came out there in the end of March and uh, yeah the response has been great so far yeah so, I mean I love this track it's, it's a brilliant song is like, the ever session it's, it's interesting the thesis that you did there so obviously your the, the, the whole point of that was to see how how it worked online working with somebody versus working in, in person with somebody how, how was that how did it how did it feel how, yeah how did, it was you know, uh, what was the result it was really interesting yeah so it was about like I was finding software and stuff online that facilitates being able to write or record with people, you know, in different countries. And for the thesis, I, for the point I was trying to prove, I was trying to get like people I'd never met to be involved. But that was actually surprisingly stressful. Um, you know, I was putting out feeders on, on Reddit. And for example, this is one story that still shakes me to this very day. But I was chatting to, I, I wanted a female voice for this song. So, so someone got in touch with me and said, oh, I'd love to sing on the song. And I was like, that sounds great. And she sent me a link to her SoundCloud and there were no pictures or anything. Like it was just her voice and she had a great voice. So I was like, yeah, cool. If you're interested, um, let's do it. And then a week later, I just texted her again, being like, oh, if you have, if you have any questions, like let me know. And I got this response that said, um, don't ever contact my daughter again, which I still keeps me up at night. <laughs> <It> was <laughs> Oh, this happened to me loads of times, mate. <laughs> It's yeah. honestly, but like, cause I just, I just got a SoundCloud link of one cover and I was like, yeah, she's talented. Like, sounds great. So then after that I had to, I mean, it made for a good point in my thesis about like the security of online. And like, to be fair to whoever I got that message from, like, like, you know, I, I, I was just some stranger. So, you know, there's a, a definitely an argument to be made there, but I, I had to then ask someone who I knew she was, she was from New York. So it still proved the point that the internet can be a great help, but I had to avoid collaborating with, uh, anonymously because it was too scary and too risky i guess fucking stressful as well but it sounds like that. yeah so there was way more of it was way more of an experience than i was expecting it to be i was expecting it to be like <laughs> oh yeah the internet's great but man there's it's it's there's some weirdos out there and, and it was harrowing to think that i was one of them <laughs> yeah it's like it's like speaking to three lads across the internet in the midlands isn't it it's like that <laughs> yeah i'm constantly yeah. You know who you can I'm trust. constantly emailing random people and it's it's so so, so it's like occasionally I'll, I'll find i'll be talking to someone and realize Oh, that them them fifteen and them from New York. It's like, oh Jesus, you know, should, yeah. Should should they be allowed on the show? It's like Emrose, you know, she she's only sixteen mm. and you know, it's, I don't know. It's, I know, yeah, it's, it's complicated. And then when I'm them like, on the show, am I allowed to swear in front of them? <laughs> I know it just it just adds another element, but um, but as a whole, like it was it was a uh, it was a really enjoyable thesis to do, and especially because I got kind of a, a body of work out of it. But I mean, I probably should have known this going into it. But I feel like collaborating in person, there's just kind of no comparison because the the final two. So there's only four tracks in the EP, but the third and fourth are um, composing music that I wrote with um, one of my best friends, Anna, who's a poet. The Ava session, so the track we're playing today, is I wrote with another good friend of mine jeff who is a producer so there's definitely no comparison with the kind of bouncing off each other in the same room you know yeah we we feel that with the podcast i don't know how the lads feel but i feel like that you know we're in three yeah. separate locations now recording and it's it's we haven't got the same energy as we have we when look we're forward to when we're able to i know yeah it's, person again yeah it's uh so and, you, didn't and need it, you didn't need to do all that you just could have asked us <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, true. Yeah, I should have gotten in touch then. So we've—I mean, I've heard the Ava Sessions quite a lot now because uh, it was on the B sides. You played it on the on the online festival for us. Yeah. But tell um tell the audience uh, all about the Ava Sessions. What's what's it about? Yeah. So the uh, the Ava Sessions was born out of the film Ex Machina, which uh, I know you guys had differing opinions on um, when I was talking about it on the B side recently. But uh, yeah, it comes from, so it's a film about artificial intelligence and the, the artificial intelligence being in the film is, is called Ava. 
And when the main character has conversations with her as part of an experiment, a title card comes up that says the Ava sessions. So it's pretty much kind of about human and, you know, technology interaction. Is that the one with, um, um, so with the song, Oscar Isaac and um, Donald yeah, yeah, Leeson? And, and it's like Leeson. a Star Wars reunion. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And Donald Leeson's another one. I, I don't think I was so. part of that B-side, but uh, just, just to throw uh, my vote into the ring, I think it's an awesome film. Nice. Okay, I'm glad. But yeah, so the, yeah, the title, The Ava Sessions, comes from that. So I put, a you know, chords and, and kind of an idea together, and then Jeff came over and we kind of... Um, I had the bones of it together and we just kind of built it up. And I guess it kind of addresses our reliance on technology and the internet and kind of tries to give, tries to look at things without getting too kind of wankery about it. <laughs> tries to look at things from like the internet's perspective as well. Cause it's like, there's lines like run to me, you know, forget yourself. So that for us is like the kind of internet talking. Now I know like Jeff, who I co-wrote this with always slags me about trying to overly intellect, intellectualize shit and just, you know, not just let it be. But, uh, but yeah, if, if you're giving me a, a moment or two to, to chat about, I'm definitely going to talk intellectual nonsense. But <laughs> that's, yeah, that's kind of where it comes from. It's, it's this little dialogue between um, us and the internet that we rely on, I guess, um, if that, if that so, made any sense at all. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a brilliant song. It's really, it's really well put together. And I think using um, the Alex Garland film stroke novel as, as the... Um, was the basis is a good idea as well you know the, the whole it as it got self as it is it self-conscious or is it programmed to think it is you know it's brilliant yeah exactly um, yeah, i'm on yeah like i'm one. on neil's side completely ex machina is a fucking masterpiece of a film it's, it's incredible yeah it's really so, uh really thought-provoking yeah so it kind of it, this was this was born out of that i guess yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't um, like so, uh, robot films anymore, based on the fact that robots will never turn against humans because robots don't. If don't, robots won't turn against humans. Humans will turn against humans. Robots don't have the capacity for chemical imbalances within the brain like we do, which causes our problems. So they will just follow orders and they will just follow code. It, it would never, it would never happen the way it does in Ex Machina. That's well. You're you're gonna be you're gonna be the first to be killed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you can't you can't shoot a robot in the face with a crossbow. You can. Yeah. Yeah. You can. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you a link after this, Rich. Yeah. I'll send you a link after this to um, an AI being switched on and them asking it questions at a at a um, convention. It is fucking fascinating. Really. I'm yeah. currently um, so I'm yeah, currently anyway. looking through your photos. I did this last time and it was quite interesting. Um, your Instagram is shit. Careful, Your careful. Instagram is quite shit, so I've gone to your Facebook. Um, let's have a look. You, you've, you're out on the piss with Graham Norton. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, my plug. profile picture is with uh, Graham Norton. He's, he's a big fan of mine, you see. Is he? Is he? <laughs> no, 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 no. no, no, no. So just, are you going to no, perform I, at the I, end I, of his show you. sometime? Oh, that, that, that'll be the dream, wouldn't it? I'm, uh, I mean, if, if, Graham, if you're listening, like... Was it, was it, was it photoshopped or was it actual real? No, it was real. I met him at... Uh, Pub. I was, I was at the, the Eurovision in 2016. No shit. And I met him there, yeah. Were you performing okay. for Ireland? I wasn't, no, because actually, it's funny, my, uh, my dad is a musician and composer, and he, was, he actually uh, wrote the song that, that, we, that Ireland entered with that year. So wow. No shit. In, in Stockholm for it. That's, that's a yeah, big so deal. Yeah, we were over in Stockholm for it. And, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so, and I saw Graham Norton in the bar and spent about 25 minutes breaking it. And then, actually, it was funny because I, I went over to him and I was, you know, quivering. And uh, was like, oh, do you mind if I if I get a picture, please? And he was with these two huge security guards, and one of them, to be fair, jokingly, was like, 
yeah, but you have to do it in 10 seconds. But like, I was so nervous that my thumbs were so cold that, that like my phone wouldn't work because my thumbs were so cold. And I was like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> but, uh, but, but the, story. The, the story I would rather tell is that, yeah, he came up to me and asked for a photo of me. But the thing know? is, you can believe that because it looks like he, he's behind you with his his hands on you. It, it does look that way. Yeah. But, and what else, what no, else we got? Anyway, what else we got here? We've got some chubby bloke laughing um, on your profile picture. Um... Oh, that's uh, that's that's Marty Morrissey. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was yeah. He's a, he's a Gaelic football presenter. Brilliant. And I don't, don't ask. And you've got you and four blokes <laughs> with your asses out. Or the, I presume it's you. We've got four blokes with their asses that's, out. That's that's me. Yeah. That's Brilliant. Me, yeah. And then a picture next to it, you've got you and some other lads looking very Oxbridge in your uniforms. That sounds like me, but I don't I don't know what. That looks like girls. school uniforms, but yeah, it looks very yeah. yeah. It was probably. Um, Lots of pretty pretty ladies and yeah, just group photos. This is very n- nothing like last week's. This is just normal. Nothing <laughs> bandish. Nothing. Nothing that, to suggest that you're in a. You know, you do music much, really. Not on your Facebook anyway. Yeah, I actually don't have like I don't have a specific music Facebook page. I, I do most of the posting from uh, from Instagram. So yeah, there's uh, a, yeah, little, there's a little get, bit. Of... I should probably get on that bit of stuff on there and we use Instagram a lot because uh, when we're doing the promo stuff we kind of just copy and paste what you've got but you don't have much for us to use yeah well I'm uh, oh. yeah I was going to say I like to be an enigma but I really don't like a big part of this EP for me as well is trying to be as like as uh, transparent as possible with the songs I guess yeah, yeah. yeah. right shall we round this off with a couple of questions go on then a question each I think yeah, um, well, I've done um, this before with Sam, though. So he, 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 I've already asked my questions. In fact, Sam is the reason why I changed my questions. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I made your job pretty difficult that day. I think. Yeah, I'll think of something now. You can go first, Wayne. <laughs> so I'll go first, then Sam. So my question is: If you could replace one musician and play their part in the song, and you would get credited for it, what song would it be, and who would you replace? Oh God, it's such a good question. Um, what comes to mind is probably. Probably Josh Dunn in Twenty One Pilots because, yeah, the drums are just. Are you a drummer like as well then? I'm not by any means, but uh, but I, I feel like I I wish I was. <laughs> um, well, no, I no sorry, I wish I was Josh Dunn. Maybe that's a bit more accurate. Um, which song now? Maybe uh, maybe Ride because there's actually the new track Level of Concern. The uh, drums are especially cool in. Oh God, it's such a big question. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna land on that and say yeah, the drums in. No, actually, no, I'm going to completely flip it around. I'm going to completely turn around. Um, the drummer, I actually don't know his name, in a band called Vancouver Sleep Clinic, um, there's a song called Killing Me to Love You. So I would do, I would take credit for the, the drums in Killing Me to Love You by Vancouver Sleep Clinic. All right. There we go, yeah. I, I will have to check him out. Don't that was, that yeah, that was, that was quite a roundabout. But, uh, it was, wasn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm locking it in. That's my final answer. I was driving around the fucking M25, that was. <laughs> Neil. Moon landing, real or faked? Uh, real. Fair enough. So there you go. Big time. That's it. Brilliant. Yeah. Doesn't need an explanation. Okay. That's it. Um, no. Yeah. If you could have sex with any celebrity, who? Wow, that oh was that, that was so off the cuff. <laughs> I'm on the spot here. Um, um, Jimmy Fallon. Go, <laughs> oh, great, Graham, Graham Norton. Brilliant. There we go. <laughs> just because, like, just because I know, I just because I know he likes me already. <laughs> <laughs> you hope 
Excellent. Okay. So, um, so what comes next for you then, Sam? Um, yeah, so I'm I'm doing like a lot of writing and and uh, producing at the moment. Um, I'm actually doing something kind of, you know, along the lines you guys are doing. I'm working with this uh, this new online radio station called Quarantine FM. So I'm hosting an Irish music show every week, where I um, interview like independent Irish artists and get takes on what they're doing and play their music. So I'm loving that because it's it's really in- inspiring talking to all these different you know, artists from all these kind of different genres and with um, different approaches to music. So it's it's a lot of fun just kind of, you know, hearing their take, but it's also, it's it's quite helpful for me when I'm, you know, writing and stuff to hear all these different approaches and these different opinions. So um, a lot of writing, yeah, and, and that going on. And then I'm hoping to, once all this stuff is, is over, because collaboration is like a big part of my music, as you, I was saying from, you know, my thesis was pretty much about collaboration. Getting involved with collaborators when... Uh, when we're allowed to be in the same fucking house <laughs> and different producers and stuff. Um, it's definitely the plan. So, but yeah, I'm just, I, you know, I want to obviously go into those sessions with kind of a bank behind me. So I'm writing and rehearsing and, and all that good stuff. But, uh, but yeah, just trying, trying to, I, I mean, I say trying to use my time. I am spending 70% of it sitting on my arse, but um, the rest of the time I'm, I'm, I'm being productive, I think. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, so we're running up to the end of the show then. So, um, yeah. who's, who's the special guest on the next show, Richard? Ella Harp. Ella Harp we have on the next Ooh. episode. Excellent. She, she also mm. played the festival for us, so yeah. That'll be interesting. I think she played the, um, the, the, the clarinet. Was it? Yeah, it was. It was the... <laughs> now I think it was the... Um, Oh, weird looking guitar. The, the, uh, the yes, it, she had a really week. fucking strange the, looking the, the guitar with loads of strings. Oh, <laughs> guitar with shitloads of strings. No, you're you're you're, so Ella, you're thinking of Ella Harmonium. That's <laughs> it, <laughs> Ella Harmonium. That's yes, it. Easy mistake so, to uh, make. So Ella Harp is our special guest for the next episode. Exactly. <laughs> um, the head-to-head obviously will be taking place. Richie is running away with seven uh, seven wins to three to one. Me and Neil respectively. Um, then we have the hidden masterpiece, which Ella will bring. The intense hardcore genre musical challenge mode is set with me, and it is Nintendo Core. Thanks, thanks to Sam. Have a lot of fun. Thanks to Sam, bastard. You can find the podcast on all good podcast websites. You know, iTunes. If you go onto iTunes, um, please leave us a five star review. It gets the podcast out there. Um, it gets the music out there. And that's what ultimately we want to aim to do is is promote other people like Sam and you know like the other artists we've had on tonight you know um, uh, Harry Stafford and Gothic, Harry, Bel- uh, Harry Belafonte, <laughs> Dimitri Ramos, the Motel, the winner tonight, and obviously the Octopus Mine, which was mine and Pimp. Go and check out all these guys; they all deserve uh, just give them a follow. It means a lot to these people, you know. It, it it makes their day some days, trust me. Especially as as we are at the moment. You can find us on YouTube as well. We've got some more videos being put up there. Um, have I missed anything, Rich? Nah, no, don't, don't think, think so. so. Yeah, we've, we've got a new okay, YouTube then. channel. Um, so please go over to our YouTube channel and subscribe. If you've already subscribed, resubscribe because uh, you might not know that I deleted the last one. So yeah, please subscribe on YouTube. I think you can find, like I say, you can find the podcast everywhere. Give us a listen. Give us a like. You know, it's going to cost you nothing. Movement to the finger. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's the end of the show. I want to say thanks to Sam Hardyman. Thanks, thanks and, and yes, like guess. Wayne says, please give us good fingering. <laughs> <laughs> My yeah, thanks so much for having, thanks so much for having me on, guys. No, it's our pleasure. Okay, Ideally, pleasure. a five star fingering. All that's really left to say is, I've been Wayne. I've been Rich. Neil, and he's been. I've been Sam. 
Thanks for listening. If indeed. You still are. Goodbye. Bye. See ya. See ya. We're falling on wires and breaking our backs. We're falling on hard times and staring in black. And we don't believe in life or illusion. We slip through the cracks. You say run to me, but don't forget yourself. You say run to me, but don't forget.
Help Jews in Poverty at HelpJewsNow.org. Your $25 gift today will help provide a life-saving food box to Jews in need. Be a blessing right now. Visit HelpJewsNow.org. That's HelpJewsNow.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.